Welcome to TRT Revolution, brought to you by Checked.com. What is up, my peeps? Jay Campbell is in the house. I am a champion physique competitor, 16-year TRT patient, and author of the Amazon best-selling The Definitive Testosterone Replacement Therapy Manual how to optimize your testosterone for lifelong health and happiness. The TRT Revolution podcast is the definitive resource for all things testosterone, anti-aging, and life optimization. Not only will we be interviewing amazing folks on those things, but we also interview alternative researchers and scientists who are dedicated to understanding mankind's true ancestry. I love and highly recommend Checked, Com because for the first time in human history, you can get affordable blood testing from the comfort and safety of your own home or office. Learn much more at checkedchecked.com. And now let's get to the latest interview on the TRT Revolution. Hey guys, it's Jay Campbell with TRT Revolution and the Definitive Testosterone Replacement Therapy Manual. And I am joined today by my great friend, Dr. Brett Osborne, author of Get Serious and Neurological Surgeon in South Florida in the Palm Beach, West Palm Beach area. Brett, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Jay. Of course, man. So I'm not going to go into details about you and I and our relationship. Uh, we're just going to start talking about questions. Well, we will at the end of this, towards the end of this podcast, you and I will talk about the future uh, of where you and I are going. But so the first topic we're going to talk about today is fat loss and insulin sensitivity. And let me just set it up by saying that there's a new book out there, Unlocking the Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. And basically his premise is kind of similar to the things that you and I have been talking about for a couple of years now, which is that really fat loss is determined based on an individual's insulin sensitivity. Obviously, you and I have been saying that. We've been preaching to the choir for years, but you know, what are your thoughts on that? So let's go into detail a little bit about that. So from a standpoint of the average person in North America today, talk a little bit about you know, how warped their insulin signaling pathways are and why that is. Right. So what's happening is that due to the excessive consumption of uh, simple carbohydrates, we are becoming more and more insulin resistant. So I call it the boy who cried wolf syndrome. And what I mean by that is that if you show your cells lots and lots of simple carbohydrates, what will end up happening is that your body will become less and less sensitive to the insulin that is secreted by the pancreas in response to the sugar load. So what that means is that your cells ultimately, or you as an organism, will become less and less good as a glucose disposal unit. So what ends up happening is, is that if you can't dispose of the glucose, in other words, your cells become less receptive to the effects of insulin. So it's like the boy who cried wolf, they start ignoring it. Glucose that is consumed in your diets will literally wreak havoc on your vascular system. And what do we die of in America and globally, mostly of? We die of uh, vascular disease. We die of vascular deaths, okay? So stroke, heart attack, et cetera, et cetera. Diabetes, insulin resistance. The way diabetes and insulin resistance, if you will, kills individuals is through its effects on the vascular system. So we all die of vascular deaths. So it's very, very important, therefore, to limit the amount of simple carbohydrates and therefore limit the amount of insulin resistance that you develop. So you want to make sure that your cells are really, really sensitive to the effects of insulin by not showing them high levels of insulin because eventually what will end up happening is that if you're eating a lot of simple carbohydrates, you're spitting out a lot of insulin out of your pancreas, your cells are ultimately going to say, you know what, I'm just not even going to listen anymore. So it's sort of the boy or cried wolf phenomenon. You develop insulin resistance, you become less and less of a good glucose disposal system. And by virtue of that, you let glucose run around literally scratching your endothelium 
epithelium. So the interior walls of your arteries are constantly, if you will, being scratched by glucose molecules. That's not really what's happening, but that's an oversimplification. But the bottom line is that it causes inflammation and it furthers the atherosclerotic process. And the more and more atherosclerosis you have, the closer and closer you are to dying of a some sort of vascular death, again, stroke, heart attack, whatever you want right. to call it. So it's critical that you maintain your insulin sensitivity. And how do you do that is sort of the topic that we're going to be discussing here, but you do that with proper nutrition. So limiting the simple carbohydrates that you're consuming, supplements, medications. Okay, we'll get into that. This ketogenic type of diet or using ketogenics and probably equally as important to our insulin sensitivity or our lack thereof of insulin resistance is getting the good amount of muscle mass on your right. body. Because that is really where your glucose, I call them your glucose sumps. Okay, sure. that's how you control your blood glucose by establishing a significant amount of muscle mass on your body because that's going to improve your insulin sensitivity because as I had said, the muscles, particularly in the post-workout state, the immediate post-workout state are very, very hungry for glucose. So, okay, so, so, so let me ask you a question. Right. Let me ask you sure. a question around that then. So I agree sure. obviously with everything you just said. So yeah. when people complain, the average American complains, <laughs> you know, male or female complains that they have poor genetics and, you know, their body type is endomorphic, you know, they're naturally higher fat carrying. Do you think that an understanding of your insulin sensitivity, again, regardless of your body type, which we know there are three types, right? There's ectomorphic, endomorphic, mesomorphic. Does a full understanding of your insulin sensitivity and then eating around that understanding, obviously combined with building muscle in the gym and using specific medications, can that mitigate any kind of negative genetic predisposition to, to gain body fat? Yes, that's 100%. And you know, in the book, I think there was a page there. I don't quite remember what I said, but it's, you know, I'm fat because I have fat genes. No, that's BS. Now, right. as you had said, you know, there are three different types of, you know, of body anthropometry, if sure. you will. So ectomorph, the mesomorph, the endomorph, et cetera, et cetera. The ectomorphs are our hard gainers. <clears throat> Those individuals are not sensitive to the effects of insulin. Actually, as a matter of fact, it's it's quite the, actually, they're not carbohydrate sensitive. They're carbohydrate insensitive, I should right. say. And the endomorphs, so those are the ectomorphs. The endomorphs are the people who tend to run heavy, a lot of body fat, okay? Those are the individuals that are extremely carbohydrate sensitive. Right. Genetically, genetically. So you do have a predisposition to being, say, heavier, fattier, if you will, fatter, okay? Right. Or somebody who's thin like a rail and is unable to put on both muscle and fat. Those people have to work harder. They literally have to push, okay, carbohydrates, even simple carbohydrates right. into them, grow their bodies, a higher insulin level, and by virtue, stack fat and muscle on. Genetically, they're going to stack. It's going to be very, very hard to put fat on. Okay, it's also going to be very, very hard for them to put muscle on. You can nudge, okay, your genetics in the proper direction, if you will, okay, by being very, very aware of how you were, were naturally, if you will. So an endomorph, sure, they can become bodybuilders, okay, although we all know that mesomorphs are typically typically the bodybuilders, and right. the more can, okay, they're going to have to be very, 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 very diligent about watching their diet more, particularly with the simple carbohydrates, more so than somebody that's ectomorphic. So a guy that's lean like a rail, okay, because of their genetic predisposition. But I will tell you, I have innumerable numbers of patients who are classically, they're, my mom is, my mom and my dad were fat. They died vascular deaths. I'm fat too, okay? And they'll come to me and they'll have lost 50, 75, 100 pounds, okay, just by paying very, very strict attention to sure. They are aware of their insulin sensitivity, but just by paying attention to some very, very simple principles. So those individuals, getting back to, we were talking about weight gain, but right. weight loss, those individuals may have to run around with carbo, with total daily carbohydrate intake, okay? It may be, you know, I typically start people about at 100 grams, regardless right. of weight, okay? And it's a very macronutrient thing that I have based upon some body anthropometry that I right. do. I BMR in the office, skeletal muscle mass, and I sort of backwards rig it. It's not a calorically based restriction. I actually have people, what's called eucaloric. So they're exactly right. the same, but I just have 
have, I cut their carbohydrates down. Those people may need more aggressive, and Jay, I know you do this too, more aggressive sort of carbohydrate restriction right. than another individual. And then sort of the contrary is true. Those, there are individuals, that the ectomorphs, okay, who if they want to gain body, you know, they want to get bigger, okay, those individuals, you can put them at 500 grams of carbohydrates today and they may. Still will. Yeah, they, right yes, they right. may, okay, right. not be able to. I was like that growing up and my metabolism shifted a little bit sure. and I'm less like that. But when I graduated high school, I was a rail and I can eat a gallon of ice cream, nothing, right, right. okay, nothing. So what you said is sort of in summation, I mean, the answer to your question in summation is that you have to be aware of it. It is by no means, you can move your body anyway, okay, with an awareness, okay, of your carbohydrate sure. sensitivity, insulin sensitivity, et cetera, et cetera, just by switching mainly, okay, your carbohydrates right. one way or another. And it takes trial and error, exactly. okay? But you are not doomed, okay, because your parents are fat. You're not destined to be fat. Yes, you do have some predispositions, but it's simply a matter of turning the switches on a little bit harder, okay, right. or to a lesser degree, depending upon which way you want to go. Well said. I think most people, the problem becomes, as you know this, is that when you go out in a group setting, you know, whether it's a business lunch or it's dinner with your family or even it's relatives or friends, you know, there's always the guy like you or Monica, you know, that can just literally eat carbohydrates and sugar and fat and whatever and have no issue and be, you know, lean, trim and thin. And then there's other people that just, as you said, you know, the, the endomorphic people that just truly have to monitor their carbohydrates. So it's really, you know, just not a fair playing field, you know, but I, like you said, I mean, once awareness of your condition, you know, is identified and you do eat within those constraints. And I always point to my brother, you know, obesity runs in my mom's side of my family too. My mom is morbidly obese. And my brother was morbidly obese in high school. He's a year younger than I am. And he's six foot four and a half. Yeah. And he's rail thin now because he has learned, right. He has learned that he cannot eat carbohydrates. He eats less than 50 carbohydrates seven days a week. And and that's really all you have to know. It's the same thing as my brother. My brother has, I think I told you this day before, my brother has sort of uh, gravitated towards just because he figured it out, you know, years ago. I mean, that's probably about 20 years ago that he does great. Okay. And you do a similar type of thing. I know he does the, the classic your diet. Yeah, exactly. exactly as Yuri had yep. described it. I mean, I said to Jared, I said, what exactly are you eating? And that's just being, he's mindful of how right. he's at. Okay. So his insulin sensitivity or his carbohydrate sensitivity, I should say, but basically what ends up happening with Jared is that he has a cup of coffee in the morning. Okay. Doesn't really have any lunch. So, you know, you talk about a lot of this, you know, this intermittent right. fasting, intermittent fasting and yeah. at night. Okay. Or whatever. Um, at six o'clock, he eats a huge meal right? and he's done. Exactly. And that's 1200 to 1500 calories plus whatever feedings he had today. He doesn't have 2000 guys. My brother is yep. Exact same way. My brother eats nothing but protein. He, he'll eat green vegetables and he'll be one of the guys who'll go to a dinner at night, have a nice steak and literally take a bite of somebody's dessert and that's it. Yep. You know, I mean, you just, you're right. So, I mean, it, I guess the whole point of that whole discussion was obviously, you know, the book is a great book. I haven't read it. You haven't read it, but I've, it's getting great reviews. But the bottom line is what you and I have been saying for literally two years, it does come down to your insulin sensitivity, you know, manage it, mitigate it. We didn't talk about metformin. We can, if you want, uh, we can kind of see, get into the whole ketogenics or, or the ketogenics, you know, to talk about ketogenic diets, intermittent fasting. So let's talk a little bit about that. So I, you know, again, full disclosure, I have not used Kegenics, which is again, one of the supplements that speeds your rate into uh, ketosis. Tim Ferriss has been talking about it religiously in the last three or four months. There are a lot of guys out there that are advocating. And I know Rob Wolf, a lot of the paleo people are talking about this stuff too. So tell me a little bit about, I know you're selling it at your practice. Right. Um, talk a little bit about Kegenics. You know, originally when I had spoken to you about this, it was probably four months ago. Right. And one of the things that I didn't like about these products is that they were sort of selling it where it said on the on the box, this is, you know, about some of the other oral ketone products is that it puts you 
into ketosis in 60 minutes. Well, not true. I wasn't really, it, you, you know, without doing the requisite carbohydrate depletion, I really sure. wasn't happy about the way they did that. But yes, theoretically, if you were to test your urine, okay, and say in 60 to 90 minutes, sure. Right. Okay, it's positive. Does that, mean, does that mean that you are in a ketotic state? In other right. words, you are fully levered. Right. You know, yeah. getting fat off of your body right. and <laughs> turning it. No, absolutely not. Right. Okay. The thing with ketones, which I did a lot more research investigation, I have my brain tumor patients on it now, is that ketosis, because cancer cells love sugar. Right. And cancer cells, you know, they're very, very scared. Okay. If somebody that's on a uh, ketogenic diet, because they're not going to have any substrate to grow. Okay. So by virtue of that, I put my patients on ketogenic diets. Right. Okay. Tell them, you know, in other words, I, you know, I carbohydrate deplete them and I use ketogenics. Um, as a supplement. Why do I use Kegenics as a supplement? Number one, it sort of has these quote unquote anti-cancer properties, okay, right. by virtue of the fact that it really is using, you're using the ketones that you've consumed as an energy source instead of relying on sugar, which by the way, most Americans do. Right. So, well, of course, and this, you know, and hence disease. It's not, cancer is not the only one, okay, yeah. but there's a lot of, there's a lot of vascular data on this stuff too. And it all goes back to the fact that the genesis of these diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart attack, stroke, Alzheimer's disease, is just their metabolic diseases. They're due to overconsumption of simple carbohydrate. Right. So if you can use something else as an energy source, as an immediate energy source, okay, and by the way, the heart and the brain love ketones, right. love ketones, use it, okay? Now, the reason why I use it in my practice in addition to that type of stuff or those types of issues is because in my weight loss patients, okay, and I have plenty of them, okay, they're not called weight loss patients, they're age management patients, but by the way, you are obese when you come to my office and obesity right. is will decrease lifespan unto itself as an independent risk factor, well, not as independent, independently, it takes 10 years off of your life, 10 right. years, okay, being considered obese by BMI standards. I'm not talking about muscular people, Jay, like me and you. I'm right. talking about by the average American BMI. Okay, That's, so that's one seventh of the lifespan of the average American, bottom line. Right. Okay, 10 years, okay, off. So one of the reasons why I use it is because the, the beautiful thing about being in ketosis, whomever is listening to this podcast knows this, okay, if they've been on a ketogenic diet. You talk to people that are going to go on a ketogenic diet and they're really, really excited when they start and they go, and Jay, I know you've been on things like this right. before. They go, oh yeah, I'm going to have 17 cheeseburgers a day. It's going to be the best. <laughs> <laughs> and then you talk to them in six weeks. No, it's true. Hey, you know this is true. You talk yeah. to them in six weeks and you go, hey, how many cheeseburgers do you have every day? You know what they go? Nah, I'm going to have like two. Okay, what's going on? Well, what's going on, okay, this is the beautiful thing about, about ketones is that ketones, okay, that's the ketone, those are the ketones talking. Ketones at the level of the brain suppress your appetite. Right. So for people that are trying to lose weight, okay, not that it's a calorie restriction game, sure. it's not, okay, but it does help, okay, if as an example, you use this, say as an example, I, one of my rules is no eating after seven o'clock. Right. None, okay, because I want people, I trick them into sort of doing this sort of a modified fast, fast yeah. intermittent fast, whatever you want to call it, because I get them to fast from seven to seven. So there are 12 hours, they're, you know, they're at least starting to aggressively aggressively burn fat by the end of that. Okay. So what I can do is if they're hungry at night, because a lot of people are nighttime eaters, sure. okay, which is the death. The okay? death, right. The death. Okay. I tell them, you know what? Then have some oral ketones at 10 o'clock. It's fat. It's not going to turn your insulin on, obviously. Okay. It's not, it, you know, maybe it'll further your depth of ketosis. I don't know. Okay. Or get you into a state in which you're less hungry. Okay. Than you were. It's an alternate energy source. It doesn't taste bad. Um, if you want to mix it with some no carbohydrate protein, that's a great snack at night. That's all, that's all I was just going to ask you. So, so the best way yeah. to do that then is just with water and that mixture 
and maybe throw in a tiny yeah. little, a tiny uh, little of a protein powder. Correct. So, um, so ketogenic like, almost like going to make a pudding. So it's a little, it's it's, it, it, it's satiating a little bit too, right? Well, you know, no, no, no. But the thing about it is, I mean, you could do it that way, Jay. But I, what I do is, I just no, I just make it into protein shake. That's, okay. So, but so have, you can't you, you can't use anything but water, correct? You probably could. I mean, you know, the only reason why is you don't want to have anything that's loaded with carbon. I mean, sure. I mean, if you had something that was, well, I, I mean, guess could, you could theoretically use almond milk. I'm going to tell you, it's probably not going to be the best tasting thing because yeah. they're all citrusy flavored. Right, That's the right, problem. Right, so right, probably right. not. I mean, I'll tell you that the ketogenics, you know, we started mixing it with protein in the office, but I will tell you, if you look at, as an example, the instructions, as much as you want to pay attention to these right. things or not, it's just blend with ice and water. That's what I figured. Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't taste bad. They're all citrusy. They're orange, there's wild berry, and there's fruit medley. They're all decent. I'm going to, right. I mean, you know, we've all tasted garbage in our lives. Yeah, our- of course, weeder mega mass. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, we tasted stuff. Yeah, it's just awful. Hot um, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, hot stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That company, I, well, yeah, that's gone. I, I think those guys got thrown in jail. No, I don't know if they got thrown in jail. Anyway. Oh, um, dude, that's so yeah, I do remember that stuff. Of I do course. remember. Of course. Who doesn't? But, but anyway, I think, that, you know, Keygenics, there's something, it's not so, it's not Keygenics. I use Keygenics. Um, there are plenty of other companies. Yeah. I'm sure um, by next year, this time, and there are going to be many, many more. And the interesting thing about these old ketone products is that there's a lot of work being done by a gentleman in South Africa who his name escapes me, right. but he, I think the gentleman that, if I'm not mistaken, LeBron James went down to, yeah, 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 yeah. fully keto adapted in, it took him three months. Right. And, and you, it does take that much time really to become keto adapted. And if you notice now, he's not drinking Gatorade or eating Skittles on the side, he's drinking right. water. Okay. So people may think, Hey, how is it that people that are keto adapted can play these, you know, these sports because they're not relying on glucose anymore. Exactly. Because right. if you think about it, and I went through this whole discussion with a colleague of mine whom I finished residency with, he was my co-resident at right. NYU. And he now, is about, he's got to be about, he's got probably getting close to 18 months, okay, with three times daily ketone measurements, blood ketone measurements, because he has a ketone meter, right. and three times daily glucometer readers that right. he has, that he has charted, okay, and I've been through it yelling and screaming back and forth with him on the phone. He's also a boarded guy in, in, in age management, so he understands back and forth. I said, you're never going to be able to lift weights on that stuff. You're never going to be able to do and this. Now stuff. he's proven to you that he's, he's able to do it. Well, huh? this guy that's in South Africa apparently is doing a lot of work on powerlifting, and if you think about it, okay. That makes the most sense, right, because the energy is that's right. And that's the whole thing. You're exactly right, Jay. And I'm completely wrong because I said there's no way. And really- see, I, I believed you too because, well, here's my, so my experience of, I used the cyclical ketogenic diet back in the day and I know where you're going with this. So it's perfect seed. Tired of visiting a doctor asking for permission for a blood test? Tired of waiting rooms and being treated like cattle when you get your blood drawn? Do overpriced insurance premiums every month and insane deductibles drive you nuts? Guys, you need to check out Checked. Dot com, the number one source for personalized health. C is in cat, H is in hippo, E is in elephant, K is in kangaroo, and D is in dog. For the first time in human history, you can get affordable blood testing from the comfort and safety of your own home. That's right. You can even get face-to-face blood work and health analysis with a licensed doctor or nutritionist that understands preventative medicine and isn't trying to put you on medication, all from your computer or mobile phone. Go right now to checked.com to order your personalized health service. And trust me, your health will never be the same. Checked.com. Both of us in doing that, or our theory was that it doesn't work because you know the, the muscle needs carbohydrate, it needs yep. glycogen, yep. but we probably yep. were dehydrated, right? So that's the issue. We weren't drinking enough water. <clears throat> well, that's number one because you have to be careful, okay, when right. you're on the ketogenic diet because it right. messes up your water balance because insulin, remember, allows you to suck water into the, the body because there's a sodium issue. Okay, so anyway, that's why when you eat a carbohydrate meal, you notice that you're more edematous. Okay, exactly. so that's number one, Jay. The other thing about it is that when you are, as an example, say it's, you know, you're doing some sort of powerless 
lifting or very, very explosive. short. Yeah, okay. Yes. Well, as you had said, using a different energy system. So using the phosphocreatine system has nothing to do with glucose. That's right. number one. Right. Now go back to the other sports. So soccer, basketball, right. you played football, I know. Sure. Okay. So soccer, basketball, tennis, football, all of the mainstream sports. Okay. Football is, is probably more phosphocreatine. The other sports that we're talking about, they're all, endurance sports. they're all yeah. endurance sports. Right, right, okay. right. Guess what you're using as an energy source. So you're using fatty acids. Exactly. Okay. You can do plenty well in ketosis, obviously, on when your energy systems are, are, are well, when, you're, when your body's ATP is reliant on fatty acids. Okay. Right. You're shedding these things constantly into the bloodstream. Okay. When you're on a ketogenic diet, the ketogenics does help that. It gives you another, an alternate energy source as do all the fatty acids. That, so let's see. So it works perfectly. And I was saying, I was in disbelief with it, right. this whole thing. I said, there's only one sport. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, one sport. Okay. That you need to have glucose. Okay. In your body in order to perform well. You know what that sport is? Well, let's see. There's only oh. one sport. Okay. That re you, you are relying on getting your body bigger and right. stuffed your muscles with, in your muscles stuff like, guess what? That's it. Right. That'll never work on a ketogenic diet, but you know right. what? No, what? Okay. It's not about bodybuilding. It's about health, right? Well, for me, the, the only, it, it does in theory make sense. And I probably wasn't keto adapted like I needed to be because I was experimenting back in the day with a cyclical ketogenic diet. I helped Lyle McDonald write the book and all that stuff. Right. This is a long time ago. This is after my playing pro days in basketball, but it was in my mid twenties. And I got hurt doing it, playing basketball because I was still playing, you know, competitively in recreation leagues and whatnot. Right. And I hurt my knee. I actually broke the medial plateau in my right knee. And I was like, I can't do this. This is because I'm, I don't have enough carbohydrates. You know, there's no muscle glycogen, but you're probably right. It was probably a combination of, I wasn't keto adapted and I probably wasn't hydrated. I know at that, that time of my life, I was drinking enough water. Yep. So it's very interesting. It is fascinating. I, the only issue that I would have is if you did get injured and obviously guys that are playing basketball and football and whatnot get injured all the time. I would think that a ketogenic diet would not allow for you know, soft tissue. I agree with you 100. So, so the problem then would become that you, if you are using it when you're, you know, ultra competitive in your performance, in your games, you would have to switch over when you got, if you got hurt for rehab. That's a great point. And now I you're jumping, but now you're jumping great energy point. systems, right? Yeah. And you're changing insulin sensitivity. So, and that was to me the, always the biggest issue is once you got keto adapted, if you went back to a quote unquote normal type diet, you would have, you know, the issue with insulin sensitivity or your body, you know, insulin metabolism would be just, you know, defective or, or dysfunctional for a little bit as it tried to, you know, reacclimate to higher carbohydrate counts. Right. And you're right. I will tell you the thing that's really, really interesting, Jay. Okay. And this is critical. And anybody that sort of has a sense of this physiology that we're talking about here, that's right. listening. I assume a lot of people do. What I've gleaned from my friends, this is really incredible. So he's fully keto adapted, okay? And I think twice in six months, remember we talked about it. it's not the insulin, okay, that's sure. it's the death of us, okay? It's really the sugar that goes inside the vasculature and these right. huge spikes that occur during which there's a lot of oxidative stress um, and a lot of vascular damage. And this is how all of those diseases develop, including cancer, okay? Right. But the whole point is this. When he has gone out and he has had a, a sugar-laden meal, and I said, like I said, this is twice, okay? Typically, his carbohydrate load during a day is about 25, right. okay? He has experimented. He knows exactly how much he has to eat in order to be switched out of or to be less ketonic because he's using the strips. Right. No, I mean, he's using the meter and he knows exactly where he needs to be. So he knows exactly macronutrient-wise. And I'm talking about within less than five grams on, on awesome. protein and carb. It's incredible, okay? My point is, is that when he has gone out and eaten and a- gone crazy. It didn't even big, affect- big, big meal, okay? Guess what? The guy is so incredibly, incredibly sensitive right. to the effects of insulin. Insulin, So yeah. incredibly- so when he goes out and he has a crap meal, okay, which he's done twice. He's, he feels his, horrifying. His, yeah. Well, it's not so much that. It's that his sugar, no, his sugar, okay, you would think it, it's going to go, oh, it'll go to like 180, okay? It's like oh. transient, barely even moves, right? That, that's the whole point. And I call it the clamp, yeah, okay? Exactly. It's like a glucose clamp. So he literally, no matter what this guy eats, he is protected and his glucose goes over. I think he told me prosperangially, you know, his glucose is sitting, you 
know, it's okay. You can go up to 140. Okay. So for a normal oral glucose tolerance test, he goes to 105. But how does he feel? Because like my my, no. my issue with it was I always would, if I, no. if I ate a bunch of carbs, it didn't move much either, but I just didn't feel very well. He no, I mean, the thing about it is that, Jay, you know, these, these are transients and he does do things um, like this very, very rarely. The thing about it is that this is a neurosurgeon who's doing yeah. a lot of cases a week. Okay, hold on. He has coffee in the morning, I think with some, some MCT oil in it. Okay. And let me tell you something. He goes the entire day. Okay. Up until about two o'clock because he hasn't, he stops eating after seven, has a coffee with some MCT oil, goes and operates on patients. Right. And feels Amazing. unbelievably yeah, yeah, yeah. good. God, dude, trust me, when you're, when you're in the keto zone, that's yes. the best feeling yes. Yes. that any human, brain, that's like, that's better than modafinil. That's better than any nootropic yeah. that you could ever take. I mean, you Your are brain works so yeah. well. Your brain works so well. And I challenge anybody listening to this. Here's a quick little test. Okay. Okay. Stop eating the night before. Okay. Say it's six o'clock. Oh, and Jan, go, sure six, yeah, go till six okay. o'clock the next day and see how amazing you feel once you get you past feel- that part. I, so I had my surgery last Thursday, you know, for, you know, for oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. had that. Yeah, no, I'm good. It, it guys are amazing. You know, everything's fine. No issues. But I can't exercise. So I just played an experiment with myself. Like after yeah. two days after I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do two, two or three days in a row where I literally fast 18 to 20 hours. And just to see yep. how I do, yep. it's so Brain true. Work, right? By hour 17, you're, you don't even need food. No, no. You it's just incredible. Don't. You know, the thing about it is that, and I would, most I people would, just can't do it because they're, they're right. there's, there's would, candida and God knows what in their stomach, right? That's yeah. like screaming. Screaming for food. That's right. And that, and that was what I was just going to say. Right. It, the reason why it, listeners out there, okay, you feel like you can't do it is because you are addicted, okay, exactly. okay, to carbohydrates like people are addicted to cocaine. It's, a it's, gut, just, it's like you said, the gut biome, if you were looking at these people's gut biomes and you were looking in there, you would legitimately have a heart attack at what shit is in there in their yep, gut. Yep, that's right. exactly right. So I would encourage people to try that, okay, just try it and see and you know, prove it to yourself. I'm not saying starve yourself, but if you can get yourself, you know, keto adapted or sure. use an intermittent fat fasting protocol like Jay recommends and has I mean, honestly, intermittent fasting, you know, when you and I started talking about this a year and a half ago, like, you know, you, yep. you told me to look into the research of the neuroprotective effects of fasting, yep. which are amazing. Yep. And there's massive research to support. Massive. It. And massive. then, and then, and then you take, you know, you take into consideration the idea that it's convenient for most guys, right? To actually not eat in the morning. Cause a lot of people skip breakfast anyway, and then take the Brett Osborne rules and no eating after six or seven or whatever. Yep. And it's just yep. very, very simple diet to follow. And like it you is. said, for guys that like to come home and chow, it's, there's nothing better than that. Right. I mean, you know, you exercise, you drink your post-workout shake and you go home and you just chow down and eat 1,200 to 1,500 calories. And most likely you're not even at 2,000 calories for the day, right. you it's, know, it's, so you could lose body fat on it. You can maintain muscle. I agree. I mean, there, that's another thing we didn't talk about, but he does, Dr. Fung, Jason Fung in that book, Unlocking the Obesity Code, he has an entire chapter on intermittent fasting and the merits of it. And, and essentially that's what you've been recommending too. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's tomato, tomato. I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, depending on how long, the deeper your fast, or the longer your fast window, the more fat loss you're going to have. Um, and as you said, and this is where it all gets confusing, is that a lot of the industry that watches this and looks into this is the performance slash, slash bodybuilding industry. And we both know that to be a bodybuilder, you have to eat. <laughs> Right. So exactly we're not right. talking about, you know, this 3% subset, you know, deviant population sure. of bodybuilding people out there, but they obviously have loud voices in the industry when we talk about fitness. Sure. So the truth is, is that some form of carbohydrate cycling, quote unquote, intermittent fasting, however you phrase it, is the absolute be all and end all of modulating, you know, body weight, losing body fat, and at the same time, maintaining performance, regardless of your, regardless of what you're doing with the exception of bodybuilding. Let's, let's see into, let's talk a little bit about your relationship and, and how it's evolving right now. I'm sorry, um, your practice. I, I mean, I don't know why I say your relationship. Yeah. Look at notes. Sorry, talk about your practice. My bad. Talk right. about your practice, right. how evolving, what's going on. Okay. So what's happening with the practice is this, you know, and, it, and it's been a, a long time in the making, you know, you've heard, you know, little bits and pieces. We, we haven't really unleashed it yet because we've been doing a lot of background work. The incumbent CEO of 
this new corporation is Dr. Tom Dieters, who was the, for those, you know, who are sort of young listening, Tom was the editor-in-chief of, of Muscle and Fitness from 85 to early 2000, I think 2001. So, he, you know, he was Joe Weider's right-hand man. And this is the guy who really was sort of, I grew up reading Tom's writing. Jay sure, did too. Of course. He was really the, you know, one of the guys who created this fitness industry, um, right. you know, as it, as it exists today. Sure. You know, he he was the editor-in-chief, you know, Weider Publications. So, well, he, he was it was Flex, it was Muscle and Fitness, hers, his, you know, the, you know, the whole thing, a bunch of magazines, six magazines or something like that. Very, very experienced guy, also a formerly licensed physician, a chiropractor, but is not practicing right now. Right. So, you know, the thing that about Tom is that, you know, he's really been able to, we always joke, he's sort of able to, you know, control me. You know, Jay, I need somebody to control me. You probably, ultimately, as your system and paradigm evolves, and I hope, right. um, you know, you do great things, you may need somebody to control you. Yes. Because we have, um, you know, similar, you know, similar brains, and we're doing 9,000 things. Yeah. Between my neurosurgery practice and my anti-aging practice, I'm all over the place, which I can't say is something that I want to be doing. But nevertheless, right. I was, I think, smart enough to know that doctors are dumb when it comes to making business decisions. And I'm the first person to tell you that I'm, I'm one of those guys cooped up in a residency program until I was 33 years old. Right. So, you know, we're trying to really be, you know, a comprehensive type of center where people come in, you got the, you know, the guy that's 55 years old or the gal, okay, with a bum knee who, you know, comes in, they're a little bit heavy. Well, why are you heavy? Well, my diet isn't perfect. And, you know, I've been out of the game for a while. I can't exercise because I've got a bum knee. Great. Not only do we plan on conditioning these individuals from a metabolic standpoint with strength and conditioning, and we have sort of have a built-in individual to do that for us, nutritional counseling, supplementation, hormone replacement. Sure. Um, but we also are going another route where we're taking that individual that has the bum knee, okay, right. and say, okay, well, you got the bum knee. We are going to be offering, we've already done some injections, actually, um, awesome. some of the regenerative, yeah, some of the regenerative therapies. Like stem cells and PRP, so I'm yes, I'm doing joint injections, hips, shoulders, knees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The most common of which are knees. Okay, but a lot of people, this is really it precludes them from getting back um, their health because they are relatively immobile. And if you're right. immobile and inactive, you've got a huge problem because yeah. essentially exercise has been completely eliminated from your age management techniques or modalities or whatever you want to call them. That's a huge piece. I mean, secondary right. to nutrition. Well, well, it is only secondary to nutrition. Right. So you've got to have good functioning joints. You've got to be mobile. You've got to be active. You've got to be able to lift weights. Okay. So it's sort of an all encompassing system um, with him sort of at the helm. I'll have my, my own neurosurgery practice. This is sort of a spawn off. So, you know, we're, we've been doing the, you know, the back end work, Jay, how long has it been? I mean, since I told you about six months now, we still have not gone live, turned the switch on because there's a lot, a lot of work, lot. man. Yep. It does. It does. It does. And thankfully it's not me doing it because let me tell you something, I would have absolutely no idea how to do it. <laughs> right. well, I, really, I, I really, I really would not. I mean, I ask him on a daily basis, how did you even know that that was, he said, listen, I did this for, you know, 25 years. Right. Okay. Okay, this is what I am. I'm, I'm a businessman. But what I was saying is that the reason why it's perfect, in addition to the fact that, you know, Tom, he's a well known guy, he's a respected sure. guy um, in the industry. He knows a lot of people. He can not only manage me, but he can sort of span the gap between business and medicine. Right. Which right. Is very, very, very unique. Because you can hire a CEO, okay? The CEO doesn't know a damn thing about what you do. I know what a neurosurgeon right. does. He doesn't know what. Are you kidding? Well, no. I mean, the, the key, and, and obviously you're doing it, and I'm recognizing it a lot with mine now, me too, because, you know, just like you, you know, Monica and I have the real estate business, which is. Yeah bread and butter. But in order to grow anything nowadays, especially to be a leader in a lot of different things and wear a lot of hats is you have to leverage, you know, not only your time, but you have to leverage great people and you have to plug, as I call it now, you have to plug and play. And, and thankfully, you know, both of us have great people that we've been able to plug and play. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Just a couple more things. So, you know, let's talk about obviously our, the sore, you know, concept is for now, probably not going to happen because right. both of us are so busy with all the things yeah. we, did. we had two sore seminars, but you know, tell me what's going to, 
if you're going to give me a projection of the future for Dr. Brett Osborne, say, you know, a year, three years, five years, give me a projection of where you want to go. Are you planning on writing a follow-up book to, to get serious or, you know, where are you going as far yeah, as... Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, potentially, Jay, I mean, I think that you have to have, you know, as you know, bimodal sort of approach. So um, some sort of secondary book, you know, would be great or even, a, you know, a tertiary book, you know, with you, Tom. I don't know what's sure. going to end up happening with this whole thing, okay? But I'm, I'm always open to ideas. Awesome. Um, you know, as far as, you know, where I see myself, I see myself, you know, the goal is to have multiple clinics, okay? For That's sure. really the goal, okay? So, you know, in, this, in the South Florida area initially, and then somehow we'd be able to expand our reach to some degree, expand this brand. I don't know if it's going to be through a, you know, a telemedicine platform, but, you know, really try to get, you know, you know the word out there that there is hope. You're not, as we talked about in the very, very beginning of, of this podcast, you're not destined to be obese, to be sick right. because mom and dad were sick, okay? And that's really the, you know, the underpinning of the entire thing. You, as the consumer, as the patient, as the customer, whatever you want, as the individual, you know, you are in control. You have the technology now, which we can, you know, collectively, me, you, okay? Right. You know, we can bring, you know, to these individuals and get people, you know, to be, to be healthier versions of themselves. It's not, you know, the, the medicine of yesteryear. We, right. have of, we have a lot of data now. We can collect a lot of data. We can manipulate the data right. in, a, in a multimodal fashion. That, that's really the message. Just like we were talking about, Jay, you know, it's sore. I always tell people when they come to the office, we have, we have a lot of lenses now, whether it's right. this in-body scale, whether it's, it's me looking at biochemistry, you looking at somebody's biochemistry, right. or in the very, very near future, okay, very, very near, us being able to look at somebody's gene, look at SNPs, okay, look right. at genetic predisposition for things, and sort of modularize or personalize, individualize therapies um, to that individual. And that's really what it's about. Right. So it's really about getting this message out there, getting the word out there. And I'm not talking about on a, um, you know, on a, just a stateside level, I'm talking about on a, you know, on a yeah, national. Internationally and globally, yeah. And, and that's the one great thing, you know, with TRT Revolution. The idea is, you know, I'm trying at some point to bring the best doctors such as yourself, you know, some other guys regionally in North America. And of course, you know, my, my end game is to take this globally. But, you know, as you know, there, unfortunately, in the hormonal optimization space right now, there's a lot of people that are not getting, you know, quality care. And right. my, I see my all the time. yeah, and my, my benefit, and yeah, even in South Florida, where the most of them are, where the most docs like, you know, do uh, right. management are, but, you know, my goal is to, to bridge that gap so that I can put all of the best doctors, you know, however I tie them, you know, a lot of moving pieces, but to bring them all together so that people have an option and a choice and don't have to go out and suffer, you know, with a doctor who's a podiatrist who does age management on the side, right? Right, which is so, very common here. Which is, what, yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. So, so the reality is it's all good. I mean, you know, I'm, both of us are blessed that, you know, we've had the relationship we've had for the last two years. I mean, obviously we're still together. We still write for Ironman Magazine yep. um, as the anti-aging columnist. They, they, they actually are talking about expanding both of our roles there. So there's a lot of great stuff coming. You know, that's awesome, Brett. I mean, you know, obviously you and I are going to always remain close friends. I'm cool about, you know, working on with another book with you if that's the case. And yep. then of course you may write another book with somebody else too. So that's awesome. So, you know, I guess that's pretty much it. Is, is there anything you want to talk about as far as shout outs or where people can find you on the internet before we end this? You know, I don't have anything uh, specifically. My, my website, however, is www.drbrettosborne.com. There is going to be a newly launched website within the next, I would say two weeks, maybe even, awesome. maybe even uh, one week. Okay. And I will make it, Jay, I'll, I'll make sure that I get you the, um, you know, the URL, et cetera, et cetera, so that people awesome. can, um, you know, can have access. Obviously it will be linked to my original site and is more detailing about uh, some of the services and the product lines that were so you like know, the PRP and, and, and all that stuff is going to be. An yeah. 
Yeah, and, and is, a, is a little bit more, you know, my, my site was really about, my existing site is really about my philosophy. This one is a little bit less so, um, and it's a little bit more about this practice and this product sure, line. So it's sure. a little bit more, you know, if you want to call it SEO-y, and I guess it is, my former site was really not. It was about sort of um, looking interesting and, and about my theory and my philosophy. Well, it's tough for you guys, though, too, in the medical field, as I've learned a lot as a marketing dork, you know, there's a lot of rules and restrictions and regulations, you know, doctors can't just go yes. out there and just start pushing yes. things on an SEO level. So by going methodically and meticulously as you, as you have, you're yes. doing the right thing for sure. Yes. So this has been an awesome podcast, man. I love you. I'm glad you were Thank able you. to come on the show. Likewise, uh, 